Put on the show, Daddy. One sec. The following episode of The Muppets contains demeaning portrayals of Swedish chefs. Hold on. The following episode of The Muppets contains insensitive stereotypes of pigs and may be considered fatphobic. One second. The following episode of The Muppets contains scenes of cookies being wasted, which may be considered insensitive to people who live in food deserts. The following episode of The Muppets contains mathematical concepts developed by Western European males and excludes ways of mathematical understanding derived from the lived experience of indigenous... Gender identity. Hate speech. Holocaust. Capitalism. Belgians. Heteronormative. Colonialism. Gonzo erotic asphyxiation. You know what? Let's just watch Porky's. Not again. You're listening to Questionable Material. Produced in New York by Jack Helmuth and Brian Sack. QMPodcast.com. Prostitutes. Oh my gosh. That's great. Um, I saw your ad in the yellow pages uh, and I was very excited when I saw it. Um, and I was wondering what sort of services you provide. Well, uh, I think it's fairly obvious from the name that we rent a variety of, uh, of brass instruments. That's why oh. we're called prostitutes. You can get I- a trumpet, a cornet, which is a short trumpet, a French horn. We do trombones, tubas. Pretty much anything that that you blow into it makes sound. Prostitutes can rent to you. Okay. So, uh, it, and would you say the thing about the blowing into? What was that service? Well, you take say a cornet, which is mm-hmm. kind of a dwarf yeah. trumpet, oh, yeah. and you have a mouthpiece where you plug that oh. in and you blow into it, and it's going to make sound. You're going to have three. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with cornets or trumpeting. No, I mean, does it make it sound like? Oh, thank God, yes. Something like that? Well, it depends how good you are. I'm sure Dizzy Gillespie or somebody could have gotten it out of a trumpet, but it's really up to you. I don't know what your skills are as a trumpeteer or a coroneteer, if you like the dwarf trumpet. Uh, It's got three valves. You push them up and down, and depending on how you do it, you get different musical notes. The the pumping up and down and depending on how you do it. Like, can you talk about that service? Sure. So you're going to use your three fingers, your pointer finger, your middle finger, Mm -hmm. and your ring finger. Yes, I'm yes, assuming yes, yes. I'm assuming you're a, a right hand man. Uh, I can use both. Okay. Well, this in this case, if you're a righty, you're going to hold the trumpet in your left hand. You're going to blow into the mouthpiece, and your three fingers are going to go up and down on the valves. And of course, as I've mentioned, uh, the different placements are going to give you uh, different notes. And those notes, of course, when put together, create a song, create music. Uh, that I see. I'm not really interested in. I mean, I'm I'm interested in making a type of music. Well, did you want something more saxophony or more trombony, uh, a tuba? Do you like, yeah, is I'm, it I'm a deeper sound? Yeah, I'm definitely interested in paying for sax. Oh, okay. Well, that's Miranda. She's $300. Thank you. Hey, Brian. Yeah, Jack. Uh, you sent me an email a couple days ago. I've sent you many emails if you think about it. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> that's so us. <laughs> it's really great. So the specific email I'm referring to um, alerts me to the fact that you're flying down to Florida and then driving from uh, this this city in Florida back to 
the northeastern state you live in. Yes. That's between like Vermont, Massachusetts and mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. That's it's correct. A, we have a plan. Yeah. I'm flying down to Florida. My wife is driving down with the boys. Okay. And then we're, when we're down there, we're going to uh, visit relatives and then we're going to, uh, my wife's going to fly back to the city and I'm going to drive back with the boys. See, that's, that sounds like a very cool adventure. So I wanted to sort of talk about, you know, you're taking the boys on this, on this trip because you're, you're sort of an expert in that part of the country, the part of the country you're going to be traveling through. So I wanted to sort of uh, go along your route and sort of hit some interesting, um, get some interesting little factoids about some of the places you're going to be stopping in. I mean, I'm very familiar with the whole I-95 or I-75, whatever it is, corridor, as we call mm-hmm. it in the, in the driving up and down the country business. And uh, yeah, I'd love to talk about that because I'm very well-versed in all the sightseeing that there is to be seen. One of the cities you're going to be driving near or through, mm-hmm. Tampa, Florida. Love it. Now, yeah, who, who doesn't love Tampa, Florida? But um, you said there, there's some really interesting uh, sites to see in, in Tampa that aren't necessarily in the guidebooks. Can you sort of tell us about those? Yeah, well, uh, you know, Tampa is is a city. It's in Florida. It's on what you would call the Gulf Coast, hmm? that Tampa has a bay <laughs> and, and the, uh, they have a football team named after the bay and they won the Super Bowl. I thought, what better than to take my kids on a road trip, bring them, you know, first stop, Tampa Bay, where they're going to see uh, the entire Tampa Bay Buccaneers football team. That the, has the, book, the Buccaneers? Buccaneers. Are they not, they're not, they're not, are they readers? No, no, no. See, yeah, that's so many people make this mistake. No, they're, they're buccaneers. It, it, there's it, gotcha. Yeah. Pirates. Yes, that's correct. Whimsical cutthroats of the seas. Yes, I, I'm I, soon. I'm sure to be canceled. They'd only get canceled if raping and robbery became out of fashion suddenly. If, if I know society, that's not likely to happen. So in Tampa, they have they bronzed the team. Excuse me. They bronzed the team. They took all the players. Uh, they, and they dip them in bronze. So they are forever preserved and it's kind of, it's a fascinating <laughs> memorial to their Super Bowl win. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's how are what, they going to, how are they going to uh, defend their title next season? Well, that's, that's one of the issues and is definitely one of the concerns with the anti-monument people oh, who yeah. were screaming, don't do this, don't do this as the cranes were dipping the players into the bronze. Because, you know, they were unaware that bronzing uh, causes almost instant death <laughs> and agonizing pain, as you'll see with the statues. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to show you the, the photos when I go down there. But, you know, clearly some very pained expressions, uh, shocked expressions, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of sad ones. Mm-hmm. Like there's one, he's pointing to his Super Bowl ring and with this sad, like, but what about my Super Bowl win expression? Yeah. But the kids will love it. Yeah, see, that's, you just want the kids to have a good time. It it, it makes me upset that there are the, all those protesters and everything. It makes me sad that the culture wars have even, you know, sort of infiltrated uh, like a simple thing, like a Super Bowl championship celebration uh ceremony. Right. Yeah. This is supposed to be a happy occasion. I mean, here <sighs> we won the Super Bowl. We've preserved the winners forever in bronze. And you have, you know, you have people who don't appreciate that and want to tear down these monuments. God. It sickens well, me. The, yeah, it sickens me too. I'm, well, I'm, I'm sorry, Brian. 
Well, we're going to talk more about monuments when we hit the, the Civil War stop in a, in a moment or two. But um, but next up, I want to talk about you're, you're going to stop. Uh, we already referenced Georgia, uh, one of the cities you didn't mention, Savannah, Georgia. Savannah. Yeah. Love Savannah. Love Savannah. So um, you said that, you know, like Brian Sack loves Savannah in a way that other people don't love Savannah, that there's some special connection between you and Savannah, Georgia, that I'm, I'm really excited to sort of get to know a little bit about, because I, f- I always find travel to be more interesting through the eyes of, of someone else and, and not just like the things you find in a guidebook. Well, Savannah, I mean, it's, it's got beautiful streets and this kind of this old Southern charm to it. And Kevin Spacey is there and he's got uh, an ankle weight. And so there's a, it's a, it's a 60 pound metal ball on a chain con- connected to his ankle and you now he can carry it at any uh-huh. time. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, it's a pastime and it has been a pastime for some time now uh, mm-hmm. called uh, find Kevin. <laughs> so how it works is that uh, Kevin is informed that you're coming after him. Uh, you're, you're given the Kevin stick. The Kevin stick. The Kevin stick. Okay. And the Kevin stick uh, is the only stick you're allowed to beat Kevin Spacey with. Oh. You hunt around. They'll, they'll leave clues for you. And, and you know, meanwhile, Kevin is free to, to, to try to escape. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's made harder with the 60-pound metal ball. But that's kind of the sure. whole point. It gives me a little bit of advantage, yes, uh, but then I don't have to run as hard and my kids don't have to run as hard. So it's, so you, when, when you have like, when you do, when you like hunt a human being on a private Island, you like it to be sort of a, per, maybe like a person in a wheelchair type of thing, but yeah. an easier, an easier hunt. Yeah. So the, on murder Island, which is where I used to take the family for those <laughs> vacations, uh, yeah. you know, I lobbied very hard uh, for the Americans with disabilities act. And they thought that it was out of a sense of, you know, you know, my desire to bring equality to every equality of opportunity to everyone. And it is kind of what I wanted. Uh, I wanted, (laughs) I wanted people, you know, on the Island to, to be welcomed. I wanted handicap accessible rooms (laughs) so that there would be an influx of people who were easier for me to catch up with. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it doesn't, I've got, you know, with the bows and the sniper rifles and everything, um, you know, it's a challenge mm-hmm. and, you know, it's always better if your opponent is possibly, uh, injured or disabled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. I had them put in ramps, uh, volcano mountain now has an intricate system of ramp that will allow people to flee me. Oh, that's great. Yep. If you're wheelchair bound, that's fine. If you, if you have, if you're impaired with your walking mobility, not a problem. You, there's access, there's railings. There's um, everything you would need to try and escape me. Well, what about for, um, um, I, I'm sure blind is an offensive term now, but um, for the sight impaired, seeing impaired people? Yeah, there's, I mean, they will, there are beacons everywhere that issue sounds <laughs> um, to let you know that I'm in proximity. I mean, it does seem to increase the terror um, factor for, uh, I wouldn't say victim. I would say the, you know, the, the other player participant participant. Um, it certainly does increase their, their nightmarish, uh, experience. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, it sounds fun. I love murder Island. 
I, I know you, you would. Well, I mean, and, and thank you for, um, thank you for speaking up on behalf of those who don't have a voice. They're, they're actually really fun because, you know, they, when you're, they're pierced with, uh, an arrow, you know, <laughs> you see the mouth open, but there's no scream. Oh my God. They don't have a voice. Well, again, thank you for what you do. Thank you for your service. My, my pleasure. <laughs> so next up, very close to Savannah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and I have spent some time in this town. We, as we spent some time together in Tampa, this is interesting. You're hit, hitting our greatest spots. Charleston, South Carolina. Charleston is one of your stops. Is that right? Charleston, South Carolina. You and I were there back in the day. Uh, it's a beautiful mm-hmm. town, a lot of history. Yep. Uh, and it is where you'll find Fort Sumter. Uh-huh. Which is where the first shots of the Civil War were fired. Uh, but more to my liking is where you'll find Fort something, something. Oh, I, I don't, I'm not familiar with Fort something, something. It's a sexier fort. It's further down the river. It's more inland. Oh, okay. Um, how can a Civil War fort be sexy? It's it, the fort itself looks like a sexy brick lady. Okay. <laughs> and what it, it was designed to be kind of a lookout uh, point. Oh. So it's actually 231 feet tall. Okay. And you can climb up uh, the sexy brick lady and you can look out uh, from the observation nipples and see, you know, the idea was you'd see if the ships were coming. Uh-huh. But, you know, they weren't sure where uh, the ships might be coming from or if it was going to be troops. So basically the breasts are, you know, one faces north and one faces east. Oh, weird. So it does look weird. It, it looks, it's a little misshapen. Okay. Uh, but, you know, it is beautifully constructed other than that. Yeah, it's. I mean, it still sounds like a, something I'd really, really like to see. I'd love to see it with you. Yeah, for sure. And and it, is it still afforded? Does it serve any other uh, more modern functions now? Well, uh, now the the battery there was a cannon battery down at the mm-hmm. bottom, which is now a strip club, <laughs> because it made more sense. And you know, I guess it does. You have a two hundred and thirty-one foot sexy brick lady. Yeah, with strange chest features. Mm-hmm. Uh, why not have dancing? Sure. And, um, and you said there's something really cool around back. Yes. There's poker in the rear. (laughs) They have legalized gambling. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't know about, Mm -hmm. man, Charleston is really uh, progressive. It really is. Man. I'm sure all our 11 year old listeners are going to love this episode. Okay, that's it for Charleston. Sounds great. Sounds like you and the family are going to have a great time. I'm, I cannot wait for this road trip. Okay, so so you're you're done then with the Carolinas, and then you're moving northward. Any sort of places off the beaten path that aren't just the big typical cities that you plan on visiting? Yes, uh, Lepersville, Virginia. Okay, well, see, that's such a small town. I don't I don't know what that is. Is that does that have historic uh, significance? It has a lot of it. Yes. So back in the 1700s. Uh, it oh. was basically a leper colony. Oh, and so okay. anybody in the United States who had leprosy was sent to Lepersville mm-hmm. and they were allowed to live there and not allowed to leave under penalty of death. Okay. But their lepers, you know, grew and flourished and, and, and had families with leprosy. And so it's a, it's a town filled with lepers. 
Mm-hmm. And they love when people come visit uh, <laughs> because, you know, of course, they can't go out and see the world, but you're allowed to come visit them. Right. And there's a lot of activities. Uh, there's one called um, U- Unite the Part. <laughs> okay, so, what's that? Well, let's say you're at the park and you see uh-huh. a finger. Uh-huh. So you pick up that finger, you're like, okay, obviously this is from one of the Lepersville citizens. <laughs> is, it a, is it a ring finger? Is it an index finger? Uh, um, uh, is it a middle finger, pinky? You know, you got to kind of, you know, and you can play this game with your kids. It's a great yeah, way to course. teach them anatomy. <laughs> you look at the hand. Okay. What is, who, what is, is this a left or right hand? Oh, it's left daddy. How do you know? Well, daddy, it's a disembodied hand. Put it away. No, but how do you know it's a left daddy? Please put the hand down. How do you know it's a left hand? Well, cause the thumb is over here. Exactly. That's great. And then so you look, you want to look around. Okay. Is there somebody walking around missing a finger, missing a hand? Uh, you know, does it match what I'm holding? And the kids actually can enjoy that. It's like a puzzle. That, well, that's really great. And what's the restaurant situation there? Because I, you know, I, that's one of the main things I look for in a town is like, you know, what, what's there to eat? Well, there's, uh, there are a couple of diners. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a fast food place. Uh, it's called, it's called chicken fingers. Just check. And just so it's chicken fingers, just check in parentheses. Uh-huh. And so they really, they're known for their chicken fingers, but they're also known for the occasional mishap. <laughs> so you just, just check was added years after they opened to be like, you know, cause they were tired of lawsuits. Sure. Yeah. That, yeah. that felt like a lawyer move. Yeah. You're, you're nibbling away in your chicken fingers and suddenly there's a bone and you look down and there's a ring on it and you realize, Oh my God. And then you try to match it up with somebody in town. <laughs> so Brian. Yes. Jack Aru. Um, I was, I've been noticing, you know, certainly over the last couple of years, Yes, but uh, even more so, I'd say in the last, uh, almost in the last year, I- I've noticed a lot of changes in Hollywood and in, in the entertainment business in which uh, in which we work. Yes. And um, I-, I was wondering if you could sort of walk th- people through some of the, the the bigger changes that have taken place in both film and television, and mm. and let let us know what we can expect here in um, in this decade that we're living in. Absolutely. I'm very well so, versed in this. Let's start with television. Uh, we call and it TV. Just a uh, little heads up. Yeah, let me jot that down, all this industry jargon. Um, so in TV, um, let's start with like opinion shows. Sure. You know, certainly easy to shoot, um, uh, relatively inexpensive. You just get people seated at a desk or at a couch or whatever, and you have them argue, you know, from crossfire to the view, to the talk, to everything. It's easy to shoot, very popular genre. What is sort of the, one of the, some of the big changes that we're going to see in uh, in opinion shows and in, in talk shows like that? Well, uh, the biggest problem with opinion shows is the the you know the number of opinions. Okay, oh. you know you've got some person with an opinion and then a, a person with a differing opinion, and in some right. crazy cases even a third opinion or some uh-huh. kind of weird nuance. And and so what you have is you have people going back and forth and disagreeing. Mm-hmm. And what we want to do is eliminate any, any potential for disagreement. We want to eliminate uh, the chance that somebody is going to have a point of view that isn't the one that's being presented. Oh. And so it'll be a single opinion shows <laughs> and you're allowed to agree with the opinion. Mm-hmm. 
or quietly not interrupt the opinion. I see. We're going to test it out on, uh, on the talk when the talk starts up again. Sure. Uh, they're shut down for a little retooling. Yeah. But when they do uh, fire up the talk again, we will have an opinion show. It'll just be a single opinion show. And that right. way there's because no annoying nuance. There's no annoying counter opinion. There's nobody diverting from a narrative that you want to establish. Of course. Well, yeah. I mean, what would concern me about the talk, um, and I'm, I'm big time on the side of, of retooling that show because um, I noticed that Sharon Osbourne had the wrong opinion and that was uh, very upsetting to you. you can't have the wrong opinion. It really upset me. It felt like violence. Yes. Well, words are violence and having the wrong opinion is, is hurtful. Uh, it has killed people. People are dying in the streets from the wrong opinion. And, and therefore we got together and realized, okay, what, what needs to be removed from this equation? And it's having an opinion like that, a dangerous opinion. Well, great. Uh, that it sounds finally, my kids can watch those shows again. I use the, the talk and the view as a way of lulling my children to sleep. Really? Yeah, because there's something about the that that kind of soothes a baby. Sure, sure. And and does it still work for your 16 and your 13 year old? Uh, no. Now they hate women. <laughs> oh, geez, that's that's not what we want. No, they're incredible misogynists and it's sad because, you know. That is sad. Women are fantastic. Their poor mother is, she doesn't know what she can do. Well, how do they treat their mom now? Uh, they, I mean, they just ask her not to speak. I, I only say this because your wife, she is, she's an amazing cook as you often talk about. Yeah. When your wife yells up to the kids, guys, dinner is ready. Come down. How do they react? They tune it out. They don't want to hear it. They mm -hmm. don't believe it's an informed opinion. And I blame <laughs> Joy Behar for that. Uh, um, and so they, she can say dinner's ready. It's on the table. It's getting cold. And they just assume that whatever she's saying is wrong. Right. Oh. I call it the Behar effect. Yeah. That's so sad. It is sad because the kids are so hungry and so thin. <laughs> I've noticed that. Um, late night television. This is... This is the genre that got me into the business. It is, I discovered David Letterman and Saturday Night Live mm -hmm. and wanted to go work for those shows. Um, it's inspired uh, generations of comedians. Um, but you say big changes uh, have already begun in the uh, late night genre. Can you tell us about some of the changes? Well, you know, there's going to be a de-emphasis on comedy, obviously. Good. Smart. Yeah. You want things to be, I guess the word is inclusive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if somebody feels like something is not funny, if they're not uh, enjoying the joke, they're not being included. Yep. And so you need jokes that are inclusive and jokes that are inclusive, of course, cannot have any potential uh, harmful words in it. Mm -hmm. As you've established, words are violence. Yep. And, and so they want a more uh, inclusive comedy evening. We're going to, you know, go easy on the jokes. Good. There'll be more of a push towards a sharing uh, facts, sharing mm -hmm. knowledge, sharing yep. opinions, the right opinions. Yep. Um, and, and, and less emphasis on, on silliness and jokes. And you know, the concept of jokes is really kind of a, a, a Western European male thing. Right. 
Right. And it's not uh, by its nature. It's not, you know, there were no indigenous standups in the 1700s. Right. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. So there's going to be, so for example, instead of like a segment where you might have a Bill Burr do stand up and then do a panel segment where he sits down and speaks to the host. Instead, it's going to be like registering voters. Yeah, we'll have that. Um, you know, you, you mentioned Letterman, of course, his famous top 10 list. That was his comedy bit. Of course. Well, um, that was all fun and good back in the day, but now it's going to be 10 things you can do to affect change. That sounds like really good late night material. Yeah. And Bill Maher, you know, his new rules. Yeah. Well, they're going to be new rules. <laughs> so like what, what's his like, you know, sort of funny, whimsical, uh, you know, sarcastic new rule going to be for the, you know, like this week. New rule. Having pets is a form of slavery and it'll be delivered with an angry delivery. Boy, however, will he find that in him? <laughs> I'm so conditioned in my colonial ways to sort of wait for a punchline, but they're, they're just doing away with that. New rule. Biological sex is not a thing. Okay. New rule. Standardized testing is bad. Gosh, I, I, I almost missed the comedy. I, I almost missed the laughs. Yeah. I mean, that's what the focus groups have said, but that's why we're getting different focus groups. <laughs> That's what, that's what you do in the business is you just find a, uh, a focus group that agrees that has the one opinion. Well, we found a focus group uh, from Smith college. They seem to have one opinion. Oh, you know, odd. we're finding that if there are certain places, certain enclaves, mm -hmm. uh, the focus group from university of California, Berkeley didn't think we went far enough. Mm. Of course, when we relaunched the Jimmy Fallon show, he will apologize for touching Donald Trump's hair. We know it's yep. a sore Good. subject. Uh, it's been a while, we know, but there's still pain that he caused. And so, you know, the show wills begin with him acknowledging that his show is being produced on Indian land. <laughs> and then there will uh -huh. be an apology for past jokes. So how, how long is that going to take? That's basically the show and it'll be uh, an hour without Just so it's an hour of Jimmy apologizing for past monologue jokes. Oh yeah. Whew. There's going to be a lot of, a lot of uh, monologues are going to be apologies for previous monologue jokes. I see. And that's going to be pretty standard for Kimmel. But now you told me that Kimmel is being replaced by Stacey Abrams. Kimmel is, re yes, being replaced by Stacey Abrams because, you know, she has a message to deliver. Jimmy is an imperfect messenger. Mm -hmm. He tended to uh, want to put comedy in his message. Yeah. I remember. Uh, yeah. We're going to keep the name. <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel Live. Yes. It'll be Jimmy Kimmel Live with Stacey Abrams. Also live. <laughs> All right. I mean, that's a lot to fit in the TV Guide channel, but hey, that's not my problem. It'll be Jimmy Kimmel Live with Stacey Abrams Larger Than Life Live. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It's a big title. Well, well, it's a lot of words. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, you, you guys know best. I guess you folks grouped us. Um, so let's take a, a little turn into movies real quick. You know, I, I've noticed that um, Eddie Murphy has gotten some heat over the last week for his portrayal of an, his fake African country in the Coming to America sequel. Um, very popular movie, uh, broke all sorts of uh, streaming records. Uh, but uh, I guess his um, Zamunda 
I believe is his fake uh, African country in that movie, I guess isn't as um, advanced as Wakanda. Now, apparently African nations should only be sort of portrayed like Wakanda was, which is like a technological, um, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's like if Tesla was given steroids and become an entire continent, mm-hmm. you know, that's how obviously Africa is and should be seen. Eddie Murphy got into a lot of uh, trouble with that. So I understand a lot of sequels are going to have to undergo big changes like that. Well, it's caused yeah a lot of reflection on how we portray uh, continents and countries and cultures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, for sure. So there's um there's a pretty woman sequel in the works. Yes. So like how you know usually sequels like to hit the sort of the same beats and you hey it's that same familiar joke that same familiar thing and um but there's going to be some big changes that are gonna just going to make it a little bit more um you know, uh, palatable for today's audience. So what, what, what are the changes going to be in the pretty woman sequel? Well, first and foremost, she won't be a, a sex worker. Oh, she is a CEO of a fortune 500 company. Uh, uh, very, she's a very aggressive, incredibly smart, uh, mm-hmm. fantastic businesswoman. Sure. And, uh, but she has no time for love. Oh, and that's right. when the, the, love interest appears and, and sweeps her off her feet literally because he's a janitor. Okay. He is a uh, played by Bill Burr <laughs> and he, he sweeps her off her feet and uh-huh. they fall in love uh, and they have children and he raises them while she continues being a, a high powered CEO. Oh, that interesting. Too bad, too bad we couldn't get Richard Gere back. Yeah, well, I mean, he's he's does a cameo in the role. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a scene where she she's getting out of her limousine. Sure. And uh, as she's walking, this very old hunchback man kind of shuffles past her. Uh-huh. And if you if you're quick and you look, you'll see it's Richard Gere. Wow. Yeah. That's just Richard Gere walking to work that day. He wasn't, that was not a scheduled cameo. No. And that's the blessing of shooting a film in New York city is you never know who's going to wind up in the background. Man, that's cool that he, you guys were able to squeeze him in. That's cool. Yeah. No, he, I mean, I, he doesn't even know that he's in it. That's the best part. There's no, <laughs> we don't have to pay him. There's no residuals, royalties, nothing. A number of his um, final movies, same, same thing. He didn't even know he was in them. Yeah. He, he's just kind of like this dazed look. Oh, that's great. That's classic Richard Gere, man. That's great. And so, but you, I hear you also have to change the the name of the movie because, which is tough because you want to sort of cash in on that, on that title, but a, a woman can't just be pretty anymore. So how we can't objectify her as being a pretty woman. So what, what's the, how are we going to sort of fix that? Well, it's, it's pretty, it'll say pretty women. They're even going to use the original font. Mm-hmm. that they use for their first film. Yeah. Uh, but then the, in crayon, there's going to be uh, amazing written in between. So it, <laughs> it's pretty amazing woman. Right. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. I'm very excited for it. And so is Lizzo who will be playing the lead. <laughs> That's great. That's, that's perfect. I'm glad. I'm glad we don't have to look at Julia Roberts anymore. Aren't we all? That's great. Well, so Lizzo and, and Bill Burr romance movie. Yeah, absolutely. Spring 2022. 
Awesome. Um, so like, so how are you going to fix, uh, like another sequel? One of the big sequels that everyone has been looking forward to for really decades, but you know, ever since it was announced a couple of years ago, um, the Top Gun sequel. Oh yeah. Top Gun. Well, what are some of the changes that Hollywood is going to sort of, um, incorporate into the Top Gun sequel? Well, we're not crazy about the militaristic aspect of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's obviously very gung ho, very pro U.S. military, uh, and you know, as you know, this is a, a big world with a lot of countries, and it's not fair that we project this image of a hegemon. And so, it's more about uh, the fun of of learning how to fly. <laughs> okay, and so the movie takes place. There's a lot of flight training. The Tom Cruise character. Uh, Mm -hmm. Maverick Maverick is very good at flying planes, but so is everyone. (laughs) And what we didn't want to do was create an environment where one pilot outperformed all the other ones. Right. And so you'll see scenes and they all go up in the air and they do execute beautiful maneuvers. Yep. Uh, Barrel rolls, uh, full turns, Mm -hmm. 360s, 180s. Two twenty sevens, all of them, <laughs> and uh-huh. they're all this. They're all amazingly in sync. Not a single one of them is flawed. And at the end, they land and they very triumphantly walk down the tarmac, and every single one of them gets a medal of honor. <laughs> That's really great, and 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 they they somehow um they somehow uh, incorporate the Israel Palestine uh, conflict into this. Yeah, well, you know they're flying. And mm-hmm. then they see Israeli troops just firing brazenly into Palestine for no reason. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Maverick kind of yep. tilts his plane and looks and he goes, that just takes my breath away. And then he looks at the camera and winks. Wow. Yeah. It's re- interesting to break the fourth wall in, in a Top Gun movie. Yeah, I yeah, know. It's, it's, you know, there's a lot of change coming. Sure. So um, now... Is I just want to be clear on the casting. So Tom Cruise is reprising his role as Maverick. Yes. And is Val Kilmer also reprising his role as an aircraft carrier? Yes. Val Kilmer will be playing the USS John F. Kennedy. <laughs> so, and he's very excited for the role. Mm-hmm. He's been calling and thanking and thanking and thanking us for giving him the role. He's not going to let mm-hmm. us down. He'll, well, he's going to be the best aircraft carrier you've ever seen. Um, and he's, you know, he's already practicing. He's say so he's working on looking like a flight deck. <laughs> That's great. And then, you know, of course the romantic interest, mm-hmm. uh, will be Lizzo. <laughs> great. Because it's about empowerment. Well, well, Brian, you know, thanks so much for, for shedding the light on this. You know, it certainly sounds like, um, uh, Hollywood is doing everything it can to sort of get out of the entertainment game. And, um, and I'm, I'm really uh, excited to, to see the changes. I won't be sort of spending money on it, but I'm excited to see the changes. I think we all are. And I think it's all a matter of accommodating the few. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks so much, Brian. Thank you for having me. What's your show? I mean, you're just as welcome here as I am. Well, thank you. It's not my, my, it's not my gift to give. I appreciate it. (laughs) Okay.
Hey, Brian, I'm really excited because today we have one of our interview segments, which we haven't had in a long time. And I'm really excited. Me too. This may be the biggest name that you could possibly get right now for a sit-down interview. Andrew Cuomo is on the show today. Oh, I got, for a second, I thought you were going to say Gary Coleman. Well, no, why would you think that? I don't know. I just thought it. He, he passed, you know. I, I know that. That's why I thought it would be super weird if, you, if we had him as a guest. Then I thought maybe there's a different Gary Coleman. Uh, maybe you're referring to uh, maybe it's like a, a, one of these things they've created in computers where it kind of, you, you bring Gary Coleman back to life digitally and, and he reacts yeah. and says and does the things you would expect from Gary Coleman, whatever it is, Jack, I need proof that Gary Coleman is or isn't alive. And I need to go. Uh, you, you need to go what? I need to go find out where Gary Coleman is. If he's alive, if he's buried, if he's buried somewhere, I need to find out where that is. And I need to get proof. I need actual physical proof. And I'm sorry to do this to you. I know you're excited about your interview. I wish I could be there. I would love to ask a lot of questions. I need to go find out about Gary Coleman. No, but Brian, I like, we don't have time. This, this can wait. The governor of New York. You hear that? Yeah. That's Mohammed in a Toyota. He's coming to pick me up and he's taking me to the airport. Okay. So you got an Uber to take it. All right. Well, he's really angry. Well, Every moment is wasted money for Muhammad. Well, okay. Take, take care, Brian. Say hi to Muhammad. For I me. will, Jack. Sorry. Please ask a lot of questions. Okay, I, I will. Thanks. One sec. Ladies and gentlemen, I apologize for my unprofessional um, uh, co-host and occasional friend. Um, but let, let's get right to it. This is the interview you've all been waiting for. Our chance to ask the tough questions of Governor Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> Governor, are, are you there? Yeah, Jack, I'm here. I'm here, Jack. <laughs> Hi, Governor. How are you? Good, Jack. I'm. I'm uh, it's great to be here. What do you want to talk about, Jack? I, time is money. You know, let, let's ease into some of the the more salacious things. And let, let's just talk about uh, your COVID response. How, how are things going in the state of New York with COVID? Jack, as you know, I give a press conference every day. I let people know what happened. I know I keep people informed. I have been on top of this since day one. If you read my book, which came out last fall, you would know exactly where we stand and how I conquered COVID. And, and yeah, you know, and your book, and that's what you're here to promote, is uh, American Crisis Leadership Lessons from the COVID-19 pandemic. What are some of your leadership lessons? Well, Jack, I mean, the first of all is you got to let people know you're in charge. How do you do that, Jack? I, I don't know. I didn't, haven't read the book. You get on TV every day, same time every day. You drive home the fact that you are doing a great job, whether or not you are. You see how I did that? I punctuated words, Jack. When you punctuate words, they sound more official. I guess, but but what? So, but what are some of your um your actual lessons of leadership that you you yourself learned from the COVID nineteen pandemic that you'd like to pass on to um to Americans? Well, Jack, there are lots of leadership lessons to be learned, and if you buy the book, and you should buy the book, and you will buy the book, okay. then you will know. Lesson number one, Jack: never own up to any mistakes. Don't oh. do it. Okay, stop yelling at me. You make a mistake, you move on. You don't. Dwell on mistakes. And by dwell, I mean report them. I mean record them. I mean keep them around. You take them, you put them in the shreddy, you burn them, you whack them, you do what you have to do to get the job done, Jack. 
Okay. Okay. That's okay. That's one leadership lesson. What's another leadership lesson you learned from the COVID-19 pandemic? Surround yourself with pretty ladies, Jack. (laughs) Oh boy. Okay. Here we go. Attractive women, Jack, energize a man. A certain type of alpha male man, Jack, is absolutely energized by attractive women. Their silky soft skin, their bosoms, their bottoms, everything about these ladies, Jack. Okay. But how does... So you, you just have them around in different positions working for you or, or how does that work? How do you hire pretty ladies? You create a department of pretty ladies, Jack. You hire someone to hire the pretty ladies and you have them around you at all times. You need energy, Jack. You need energy to come from the virile, lovely women who are filled with energy and estrogen and things you love, Jack, and they empower you and you can give a speech Every day at the same time, letting people know how great you are at your job, whether or not you are. This is something my my co-host Brian was on way before the national media. I wish he was here to really sort of revel in his moment. He he was on this nursing home situation where I guess you moved COVID patients uh, uh, back into nursing homes and then it sort of spread COVID and killed there's countless old people and then you didn't sort of report it. Can you sort of talk about what happened there? I can, Jack. I can. You know what the problem is? The problem is misinformation. You've been fed misinformation. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I was told the wrong things. I was told these were dying homes. These were places where people went to die. I thought what is better to help them get on their way than to put sick people in with them and spread this virus. Everything I did came out of a place of care and compassion. And when something gets in front of you, you destroy it. Okay. So you, you mistakenly were given the wrong information by one, maybe one of the pretty ladies who works for you that uh, nursing homes are, are places where people go to die quickly. Let me be very clear. She never used the word nursing home. She used the word dying home. And I thought to myself in my moment of genius, Where would you send somebody sick? Well, you wouldn't send them to a living home. You'd send them to a dying home, Jack. Everything I did was done out of a place of compassion and caring, and I will crush my enemies. Well, then why did you, uh, you apparently went through great lengths to hide these facts from people. Jack, when facts get in front of you, facts that want to prevent you from achieving your goals. If your goal is to be a president, if your goal is to be a leader and these facts get in your way, what do you do, Jack? You get behind them, you put a 22 caliber up to their head, you pull the trigger two, three times, Jack. You know why? 22 calibers are not particularly strong, but they will do the job if you use it more than one time. <laughs> why wouldn't you just get a stronger gun? Have you ever whacked someone with something above 22 caliber? It's a mess, Jack. The Tappan Zee Bridge, uh, a, a bridge that's- Mario right Cuomo Bridge, Mario Cuomo Bridge, Mario yep, Cuomo so you, Bridge. Right, so you you built a new bridge or replacement Tappan Zee Bridge, and then you named it the Mario Cuomo Bridge after your father. I did not name it, Jack. This was an honor bestowed upon my father, Mario Cuomo, by the state legislature. I had nothing to do with it. I was in the shower. You, you you were in the shower that whole legislative session. I have a lot of people working for me, Jack. They all need to be clean. They're all beautiful women with silky smooth skin. I need to clean them. I need to loofah them. I need to soap them up. I was not present while the legislature bestowed this great honor for which I am very grateful upon my father, Mario Cuomo, Jack. 
Well, it has come out in the last week that there is potentially um, uh, safety issues with the bridge, that it was uh, completed in somewhat of a haphazard and, and uh, almost lazy way where um, the safety of the entire uh, span might be uh, in question. That that falls on your lap, doesn't it? Actually, Jack, it does not fall on my lap. It falls okay. in the lap of, of Schumer and Gillibrand and the other people who want to keep me from achieving my goals, Jack, because they were personally there. They looked at the bolts and they said the bolts look fine to me, Jack. So, so you had Schumer and Gillibrand um, looking at the bolts of the bridge as inspectors? Yes, Jack. I was busy. We had a splashing party for the staff and we were splashing. I was not on the bridge. I did not see what was happening. I was feeling the silky, supple skin of my coworkers. And remind people what a splashing is? Uh, uh, Jack, it's playing with food and people. <laughs> so, you, so you're busy with one of these parties, so again, for your staff. Jack, and couldn't be at, couldn't inspect the bridge yourself. Leadership lesson number four, Jack, keep your employees happy. How do you keep your employees happy, Jack? You rub them free back rubs all the time when they want them, when they don't want them, when they ask for them, when they don't ask for them. Naps, naps with them, naps around them, spooning, touching, feeling, rubbing, Jack. All of these things, they keep employees happy. If they say otherwise, they're liars, Jack. Well, if, they, if someone doesn't like something, I, I, I can't imagine they would be lying about that. Jack, I did not like the Kennedys, yet I married one. <laughs> How did that turn out? With divorce, Jack. With divorce, sure, of course. Jack, women are liars. They're born liars. Why do you think they're called women, Jack? I, I don't I don't know. Think Why? about it. Whoa, man. Whoa, 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 whoa. What are you talking about, you liar? All right. That's, that's an, I'm not going to stand for that on this show. Um, I'd like to plug my book, Jack, if I may, American crisis leadership lessons from a guy who did not touch these ladies. Oh, I didn't, I didn't see that part of the, uh, under the, under the main title, new title, new, oh, the new title. Well, very good. This has been questionable material with Jack and Brian. Thank you for listening. Please come back again next week. Not you, them, the listeners, I'm not resigning. No, we know. Okay. Be, be, take care. That was questionable material. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Make sure to review the podcast. Make sure to visit qmpodcast.com 